0: Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Here's what's going on in the NHL. Blues and Stars are scoreless late in the first period. In the second period, the Jets lead the Avalanche 1-0. Blake Wheeler has his 15th. Johnny Boychuk has his fourth for the Islanders. They're up 1-0 on the Hurricanes after two. And in the third, the Flyers with a 1-0 edge on the Blue Jackets. Wayne Simmons has his 20th. Not a lot of goals so far in the four games going on in the National Hockey League. Tomorrow, Oilers at Arizona. 12:30 30 face-off show. Game at two. Then Oilers at Colorado on Sunday. 11:30 30 face-off show. Game at one. Adam Larson back skating with the Oilers. Not sure when he will play. Al Montoya took a shot up high at practice today. And uh, that could change the goaltending plan for the weekend uh, was thinking he'd play one of the two as jack michael speculated earlier he may wind up playing neither game my name is reed wilkins i've uh, had the pleasure of interviewing another wilkins by the name of dominique he was on the show a couple of months ago well tonight i bring you another reed all the way from south korea with our friends at global television it is reed feist reed welcome to the show how are you doing
1: I'm good. There's not many of us. Well, there's more, I think, now as the generations have gone on. But there were no kids that were named Reed, were there?
0: <laughs> That's right. And, and <laughs> I, as I always say, you and I spell it right, R-E-I-D. Yes. Even though yeah, mine is yeah. mine is often misspelled, uh, R-E-E-D, R-I-E-D. Or, or it's yeah. weird, on the text line, I get a lot of people spelling it I-D-I-O-T. I can't figure that one out, but, uh,
1: funny how that goes, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: Thanks for, thanks for checking in. What what are we looking at there? Is it Saturday 11 a.m. in, in Pyeongchang? Yeah. Yeah. It's the future. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's a sunny day here. It's a beautiful day actually. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're headed in, I mean, essentially to that kind of halfway point of, of the games here. And, um, and uh, some more potential for medals today, um, I wouldn't say perhaps slam dunk, but, uh, you know, before your day is done there in uh, in Edmonton, there may be some more news of, of some medals.
0: Tell, tell us what's going on with Patrick Chan. Obviously, he has had, regardless of what happens, he's had an incredible career, but give us the, uh, the scene set for him
1: yeah i mean uh, well he's part of that of course the team figure skating gold um from earlier this week and and an amazing career as a figure skater uh he uh this is his last games and so he wants to go out on a high and he, uh, he is performing as we speak in the men's uh, figure skating uh, free skate, um, and so uh, yesterday he he was in sixth place after his short program. We still haven't seen him yet. I think we're at uh, skater number six, and he's uh, 21, so a little bit uh, probably in an hour or more. Uh, but of course, uh, you know he would like to go out. Uh, with an Olympic medal it may be close or tight uh, given the competition uh, but nonetheless uh, he doesn't go home anti-handed because he can go home with that uh, that gold medal after a long career as a figure skater with the with the team figure skating medal uh, earlier this week.
0: I just had my interview with uh, with Caitlin Laws on Inside Sports and obviously that was, that curling story was pretty big Kevin Cooey with St. Albert's Mark Kennedy playing third. They're 4-0, taking on 4-0 Sweden in about three hours. I, I mean, it, curling is one of those sports that you you write down Canada for a medal going in, often in pen when people are making predictions. What <laughs> has been going yeah. on, though, with Rachel Holman, their 0-3 out of the gate? Yeah.
1: Yeah I mean they've had a tough ride and I think uh, of this Olympics there hasn't been a ton of surprises there hasn't been a ton of controversies. everything's been running relatively well I think minus norovirus but I think uh, perhaps women's curling may be one of the stories of this game Um, zero and three uh, they are the only country not to have won at least one game which is pretty shocking as you say Um, and so uh, they are going up against the U.S. tonight and it's it's make or break i saw somewhere else though that uh, the the break to get into the playoffs, uh you had to have at least a five and four record um after the round robin there's just lots of games to play so you know they're not out but um from a confidence perspective uh they certainly um are probably tilted a bit and then of course She's getting a lot of um, controversy or a lot of feedback for her role in, 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 in getting that burned rock thrown off the ice yesterday with uh, with Denmark. Um, and lots of people are kind of chiming in. Was that the thing to do or wasn't the thing to do? Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll have to see kind of what they can do against the U.S. tonight.
0: Reid Feist joining us from South Korea covering the Winter Olympics i got to ask you this, Reed, because I, I, I have heard the Winter Olympics described as a hockey tournament with a bunch of quirky events on the side. That is probably <laughs> the case in North America. Is that the case in South Korea?
1: Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say so. I mean, they love their uh, they love figure skating, obviously here. So, I mean, that would be probably one of them. They really love short track and long track speed skating. So, I wouldn't say that. But you know, on on the flip side, you know, we we've seen lots of um canadians going into olympic park uh, when it comes to a hockey game uh but um you know we know that there really isn't there aren't those stars that are even going to bring in maybe some fringe uh, foreign tourists right um i mean canada's doing well without the without the nhl and they're um facing off against uh i believe the czechs right czech republic Uh, uh, less than an hour i think here yeah yeah, exactly. Yeah, in about, about an hour and 20 minutes from now. So, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think people are, are paying attention. And if you're a Canadian down here, you definitely want to try to get tickets to the hockey games. But I wouldn't say that they're the marquee event um, here in South Korea, especially among the locals.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, I want to ask you about that, that local scene. I mean, the cool thing, I, and I know you're there there working, but I hope you're experiencing a little bit of uh, what, a, what a tour is good and, and, and some of the culture. I, I, I mean, tell us, uh, just tell us how, uh, you know, you're received the local vibe uh, around the Olympics, just a little bit about uh, a day in the life of, of Pyeongchang, South Korea.
1: Yeah, I mean, we are working a lot. I mean, part of the problem is uh, in our nights are your mornings. And uh, so we're really we don't have a lot of time to go out for dinner, to be honest, just because uh, we're we're busy. But we certainly have gone out. And. um, and, and, and seeing the community and, and and traveled a little bit. I mean, the, uh, the the Olympics are split up between two areas: one on the coast and one in on the mountains. And it's about a 50-minute bus ride between. So you definitely see the kind of the different terrain, uh, I would say. And and maybe you could almost equate it almost like a Vancouver. Almost, uh, you know, the Olympics uh, were there, and and then they have most of the mountain events up uh, in Whistler. So some some of the same. Uh, when it comes to people's uh, reception here, they're very kind to us. Um, the, the level of English even though they say a lot of people learn English here in South Korea, it is pretty low. My, my level of Korean is very low or non-existent. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, pe- people, like to, people like to stop and say hello or how are you. Um, I know we've been, uh, we've been stopped, uh, you know, to, for people to say hi to us. And we always put Canadian flags on all of our cameras or different things like that so people can immediately see that we're Canadian. That always helps when you're doing journalism around the world that they don't mistake you for someone else. Um, and so everyone's very friendly to that extent. Um, food is a bit of an issue. Uh, you know, a lot of... It seems like some of the restaurants have actually just shut down. Maybe, I don't know if they've gone away on holidays or they don't want to deal with Olympic people, but which is kind of weird because you would think if Edmonton, Calgary had Olympics, you know, your restaurants around Olympic villages would be open 24 hours a day or at least as long as you needed to be to capitalize, you know, on uh, on, on all those tourists. So um, it's it's been... Uh, it's been cool to that uh, extent, and, and, and the weather has been really good, in my opinion. You know, lots of people have been griping about it, and the wind has affected some events in the mountains, but, like, you know, we're here in February 17th, and there's no snow on the ground here at all. It's been dry since I got here, and for me, I can handle, like, minus 10, even if it's a little windy, right, and that's kind of where it's been, but uh, it's nice to kind of get around uh, without trudging through the snow, which you know, in Alberta is, is not a reality in <laughs> it, right? <a> story, right? <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I find it nice and when I hear people complaining, I go, oh, okay, well, you have not survived the Canadian winter uh, <laughs> because this isn't freezing. This is, honestly, it's not super cold. It's chilly, but it's nothing that a good jacket's not going to protect you from
0: so reed i gotta ask you You mentioned the food and there have been a lot of stories out there perhaps some of them from from questionable sources but there has been stuff out there uh and it horrifies a lot of people in this part of the world obviously what what about, and I'm sorry if this is morbid, but what about the dog meat? Like, Is that a reality there, or has this been exaggerated? Yeah. What can you tell us?
1: No, I mean, I think it's a reality, but it's important to know that it's not widespread. We, we visited um,
0: last week, or the story aired this week uh,
1: on Global National, but we visited a dog meat farm that was being basically shut down, the animals um, being treated and and, um, and vaccinated, and, and they're actually, the majority of them are going to end up being adopted in, in Canada. So, 100 dogs their lives will be saved, but this is a reality. They say there's 17,000 dog meat farms in South Korea, and and the reason they exist is one, there's a market. It's not huge. Two, um, it, it's a way of life for some of these farmers. Like I, you know, to do agriculture farming or anything like that is is tough um, in this part of the world. And so apparently, it's you know it's a pretty lucrative way to make a bit of a living on a small space. But the conditions that we saw, at least on this one farm, were pretty pretty terrible um i'm told that you know younger generations or even you know people in their 40s or 50s aren't eating dog it's it's people who are older who survived the korean wars um they did eat dog as younger people and um and they're continuing to eat it usually in in soup and um it's kind of touted for its health benefits um but you know i think the issue that we wanted to bring to light this week is you know whether you think that that's right or wrong and i have had feedback from people from canada saying well we eat you know pigs chickens and and, yep. and cows what's the difference um you know the conditions that these animals are living through on some of these farms are, are, are it's unregulated uh, the korean government just kind of turns a blind eye well,
0: to it and, and Reed, so let me jump in was, that hard, was it weird. hard was it hard for you to get access to that to that farm to go shoot and do a story there like did you have to jump through some hoops or uh, what happened
1: uh, well, no, I mean, we're, we're lucky that the farmer allowed us on. Uh, he okay. talked to us as well. Um, this was uh, done by, uh, um, the rescue is being done by Humane Society International, and they have a Canadian um, office and, and operations based in, in Quebec and Ontario. And so they wanted us, they wanted to show, and obviously, you know, the ties to Canada, um, That the, the majority of these animals would be going back to, to Canada was something that they wanted to highlight. But okay. it, it would be tough to have found one of these uh, ourselves, you know. This was an hour-long drive on some curvy roads south of Seoul, and um, and yeah, and, and I think the world, uh, or at least some, just don't want to see them. If you turn the blind eye to it, um, I think is is kind of where uh, the Korean government at the at the moment would like. It, there to be that you know that story just to kind of be ignored a little bit we we asked to talk to people from the government to ask about perhaps bringing in regulations to at least make sure that the dogs are in humane conditions and everything like that but our requests for interview or even just a comment for a, for a story were turned down
0: okay reed thanks for making time for us i know you're busy where are you uh, quickly tell me where are you headed today what's the story <laughs>
1: Uh, well we're just going to kind of follow the bouncing ball with some of these uh, with some of these uh, metal potentials today um, and then uh, take a look at perhaps kind of like where we are at this halfway point you know their predictions of you know, around that 30 metal mark, uh, we're at 13, can we get there? And so right. uh, that's what I'm going to attempt today. We'll see. We've, we've got lots of hours left in our day, so it may pivot to something else. But that's our starting point is uh, you guys call it a, a week. We're already in the weekend here.
0: Awesome. Reed. thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, maybe we could talk l- next week or when you get back, man. It'd be good for another update. See you soon.
1: So, sounds good. Have a great
0: night. That is Reed Feist with Global Television checking in from South Korea. So the uh, stories he's following today. Obviously, Patrick Chan, the women's curling, the men's hockey, and uh, and the cuisine, which I thought was interesting enough to ask about. Obviously, a little different. It is 7:20. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6:30. Ched Oilers play tomorrow. They play the Arizona Coyotes. Tyson Nash covers the team. He's going to join us after the 7.30 news. We're coming back.
1: This is Mike Riley from Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chet.
0: That guy's a good quarterback. Inside Sports live from the Terwilliger Rec Center, the Family Day Classic in support of the Stollery, eighth year of the tournament. They've raised... $2.2 million in the previous incarnations. You can come check out the silent auction table. It is going all weekend, all through the holiday Monday. An incredible event here in the city. Terwilliger Rec Center and famdayclassic.com online. Oilers at Arizona tomorrow. The Oilers have lost five in a row. The Coyotes have won four of five. Here's Edmonton head coach Todd McClellan. Well, we've got to play a better game than we've been playing the last five um, in all areas, aspects from the goaltender on out. And uh, right now they're getting superb goaltending. They've been able to, uh, to count on Ranta to, uh, to close the door when, uh, when they have some breakdowns. Uh, but they're also uh, playing with a, t- a newfound energy and a team energy that's uh, a real positive one right now and give them credit for, uh, for battling and putting a win streak together. Um, it's our job now to respond and try and stop that. It has been tough for the Oilers. Al Montoya shaken up at practice today. Took a shot up high. Uh, Tom McClellan said we'll know more in the morning about him. Adam Larson back with the team following the passing of his father. Not sure when he will return to game action. Furnace Family Oilers hockey tomorrow. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement experts call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. We're going to sign on with the face-off show at 12.30. We'll drop the puck at 2.00. Arizona analyst Tyson Nash, Edmonton native, former NHLer. He's going to let us know why the Coyotes are doing a little better. And, uh, you know, speaking of uh, going over to uh, to the continent of Asia, he played in Japan pro hockey about uh, 10 or 11 years ago. We'll get some stories on that as we move along as well. Inside Sports on 630 Chet from the Terrilliger Rec Center.
1: Hi, this is Ryan Eugen Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to
0: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, it's always nice to have Edward Van Halen drop by the studio to play the intro to Unchained as we come back for break. Too bad I'm not in the studio, though. Live at the Tarwilliger Rec Center, Stollery Family Day Classic in full force. Games all weekend, including Holiday Monday, and hope you have a great long weekend planned. My pleasure to talk to you here on a Friday night. It's 7:34. My name is Reed Wilkins. We have in the NHL tonight four games. The Jets lead the Avalanche three nothing late in the second period early second frame. No score between the Blues and the Stars. About seven minutes into the third, the Islanders are up one nothing on the Hurricanes. The shots are 34-18 for the Canes, and the Islanders uh, coming off a 50-save shutout against the Rangers the other night, so that's a pretty incredible streak for them. In overtime, it's 1-1 between the Flyers and the Blue Jackets. The Calgary Flames have re-signed Michael Backlund. Six-year deal, $5.35 million per season. Trade deadline, of course, Monday, February 26th. We'll have special coverage for you here on 630 Chet. I think uh, Maroon, Letestu, possibly Camillary, some of the Oilers uh, you're looking at who will likely be leaving town. But we'll follow those stories as we move along. For now, Oilers in Arizona to play the Coyotes tomorrow afternoon. Tyson Nash, TV analyst for the Coyotes, joins us now. Tyson, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing
2: fantastic. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, good to talk to you. One of, the, uh, one of dozens of NHL players to uh, to come out of Edmonton, Alberta. Well, you were born here, right?
2: I was, I was, yeah. I was born in Edmonton. Uh, grew up in Sherwood
0: Park. So what was your first minor hockey team? Do you remember? <laughs> oh, man, it was like the uh, the... Pictures, bosses, and
2: facts—I think—is what they what they called us. It was uh, like a mustard yellow, which are, are now the Nashville Predator colors, I, I believe. So, we were we were an intimidating group, that's for sure, at, at about six years old.
0: <laughs> you guys were ahead of your time, going with the yellow jerseys already. Nashville finally copied you. <laughs> Yeah, who knew? Who knew it'd be, uh, it be so catchy? <laughs> <laughs> Tyson, uh, good to have you on the show. Uh, we'll, we'll get to uh, the showdown here between the Coyotes and the Oilers, and obviously Arizona having a little more success lately. But a lot of people watching the uh, the Olympics in in South Korea. Obviously, you know, Korea's got a got a team in in the Olympics. Uh, Jim Pack, actually former NHLer, former teammate of Rob Brown, coaching Korea. But you have a, you have a little bit of history of playing hockey in. Don't don't you didn't you go to Japan for a season
2: I did I, I did believe it or not uh, myself and, and Jamie McLennan uh, another uh, St. Albert boy uh, we uh, we took the took the show to, to Tokyo uh, we played in a town called Kashiro, uh, which uh, I think is the farthest northern tip of, uh, of Japan and I'll tell you what it, it was an unreal experience the people the culture Uh, just how well they treated us Uh, we we learned a lot I mean obviously you grow up you spend your entire life over here all of a sudden you land in Tokyo and you're like where have I been I mean what planet do I live on it is a whole other world out there uh, the hockey was good players were, were extremely skilled uh, they maybe lacked a little bit of hockey sense, uh, but I can tell you what they did not appreciate uh, my game over there. I think they referred to me as the the Japanese assassin on uh, on a few occasions, just because as you know I didn't know there was a puck out there, so I was I was doing a little head hunting, and I don't think they were used to that.
0: So was there? I mean, was there any fighting? Was there even limited body contact? What was the physicality and intimidation like?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, just their culture and, and how they are as, as people. They're, they're very calm. Um, you know, they, they don't like uh, any kind of controversy. Um, you know, they're, uh, they're just very sweet, kind people. I think the only issues uh, that we ran into uh, as, as players against opposition was if they had another uh, Canadian or U.S.-born player, which you were allowed, uh, I think it was three imports at that time, so there was a guy by the name of uh, Shane Endicott. He was over there. He was a very skilled player. Uh, Joel Perpick was, uh, was another guy that, that played over there at that
0: time. So, uh, you know, when we played those guys, yeah, we, we got into it a little bit. Okay. So I, I figured they probably had a rule where they limited the, the number of imports they had. Was, did you have to, now was was English the language of hockey or did you have to learn some, some Japanese or what was it like getting immersed into the language and the culture?
2: You know what? It was uh, it, it was really interesting because you know you, you play hockey over here your whole life and you, you watch the Russians, you watch uh, all the Europeans come over and, and have to learn our language. Well, now all of a sudden it was my turn to go over there and try to understand what the, what the coach was talking about, uh, you know, and you had to, you know, obviously just kind of watch and, and learn and, and do everything by example um, and repetition and in, in practice. Um, but, the, the, again, just they were, they were so kind, they were so giving, they actually hired a, an interpreter uh, for me and Jamie to, to kind of follow us around uh give us the lay of the land you know teach us how to order a little bit off the, the menus um you know when we first got there and uh, it was an experience it was honestly it was one of the best times of my life i mean you're over there it was basically like a paid vacation you get to see a whole other culture take it all in and uh and you're, yet you're still playing hockey and, uh, and having a ton of fun
0: okay let me ask you this if you and i know i'm asking you to go back a little bit but the, I'm, I'm gonna risk asking this question because it could be a fun answer what was the best and worst new food you got exposed to while living in Japan? <laughs> oh,
2: The food, you're right, the food that we ate. Uh, a real delicacy over there, or del- I don't know what the, the word is for it, but was uh, intestine, um, is, uh, is big on their menu, and it comes out raw, if you can believe it. And you're, you're supposed to cook it yourself. So that was, uh, you know, you had to try it. You had to take it all in, and I, I definitely did that.
0: And I'm guessing you, you you did cook that. You didn't eat it raw. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: yeah, it was nasty. I'll tell you that it was uh, it was absolutely terrible. The other one uh, that we uh, we had to try, I uh, had no idea what it was until afterwards. Was uh, was um, what are they called? Prairie oysters. So
0: we we had a we had a lot of those, and I, I don't know if you you know what that is. Yeah, I'm, I'm more or less familiar. I think our most of our audience will know. The ones that don't are doing a quick Google and might be horrified. That's that's okay. Yeah. Tyson Nash joining us on Inside Sports. Always great to have him on the show. Of course, uh, analyst for the Arizona Coyotes. I still got to stop myself from calling them Phoenix sometimes, even though it's been a couple of years. Look, um, you know, Tyson, uh, I often talk to ex-athletes, whether they're hockey players or football players, and and confidence comes up a lot or uh, uh, momentum. The Oilers started one and four and never really recovered. And I mean, the, the Coyotes started oh ten and one. And I know maybe the expectations weren't high for them, but uh, man, oh man! I, I know they're doing better lately, but uh, that that must have really affected the team right off the hop there.
2: Well, it did. And and I, you know, in all honesty, I mean, I'm always drinking the Kool Aid. I'm always uh, a real positive guy, and I, you know, I guess. Uh, um, you know, I'm supposed to be a pro here and, and be a, a great analyst. I, I thought this team was, was going to be good. I thought they were going to be better. I thought they made some real nice uh, additions to the team as, as far as veterans go, with, you know, bringing in uh, Auntie Ronta to be the number one guy, Jarmelson, uh, you know, one of the best shutdowns defensemen in the entire National Hockey League, um, won three Stanley Cups. You, you bring in Rick Tockett, who, who's also won three Stanley Cups, as a coach, one as a player. Uh, you, you know, you, you think, okay, there's, there's some, some drastic changes here. This could be good. The, the NHL is all about youth and speed and skill, and, and we got a ton of it, uh, Clayton Keller, you know. But, yeah, you're, you're right. Obviously, uh, that came to a screeching halt at the start that uh, this team had, and, and it started with Ansi Ranta. He got hurt right out of the gate. Um, and, you know, as you guys know uh, all too well there in Edmonton, when you, you don't have goaltending, you don't have uh, consistently good goaltending, you, you go nowhere in this league.
0: All right, so uh, you know a little better lately and, and look, we know there's there's not going to be a playoff push from from either of the two teams playing tomorrow, but uh, Coyotes have won four of their last five, you know, the last uh, 11 or 12 games a little better than 500. But you know, what's uh, just what's been clicking for them? Have they just been putting some things together? Have they have they caught some teams playing poorly? What do you think's going on?
2: Well, I think a, a little bit of everything. And, you know, this is an interesting time of year because everything, as you guys know, around the league is so tight. So there, there's no easy game. There, there's no team that's coming in here and taking the Coyotes for granted or taking them lightly. I think that may have happened after that horrible start that they had. But right now, points are just too valuable. So, you know, i there's been a team that's really turned the corner, um, and I think uh, you got to start with your goaltending. As, as I mentioned, Antti Ranta started out hurt, could never find his rhythm in his game uh, until lately, and, man, has he ever, uh, ever been good. He was good before Christmas, uh, then he missed some more games, struggled a little bit after a car accident that he got into. And now, uh, once again, he's, he's rolling along. So he's trying to be a number one goaltender. And the Coyotes are, are going to be in an interesting situation because I'm not sure just yet they've seen enough of Auntie Ron to give him that uh, number one goaltend money and that job. Uh, defense, right now we're, we're getting a ton of offense. I think they got 20 points uh, in their last uh, five or six games from, the, from their back end, uh, led by uh, Goligoski. who's playing some of his best hockey right now. Kevin Panotten as well, another Edmonton boy. Um, he's got six points in his last eight games, four of those being goals. So that always helps when you're getting offense uh, from your back end. And Clayton Keller is back to the Clayton Keller that, uh, that we uh, saw early in the season. Um, I think he got a little bit tired. out of used there for a while not used to playing the, the NHL schedule. Coming from college, uh, he's absolutely on fire right
0: now. All right, one more for you. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Oliver ekman Larson who's outstanding, and he, like he's still quite young. It's not as if he's past his prime. I mean, he could still be heading <laughs> into his prime. Are, are they going to be able to keep him? What do you What do you think's going on here with OEL?
2: Well, I think that's the the big uh, big discussion. That's kind of the elephant in the room right now. I think is you know what do you do with Oliver? I know he's got I believe one more year left on a contract, but uh, you know a player like that, if he can find his game again, which he doesn't, and, and I guess that's the biggest issue. Is because he doesn't, I think there is a little bit of hesitation, uh, really from from both parties. Cavities kind of for one, you know, not wanting to probably cough up the. You know, the 8 9 whatever million it's going to take to lock him up long term. Um, and, you know, maybe Oliver, you know, he was hoping that they would really take a step this year. Uh, they haven't. Um, and, you know, what, what's he going to do after after next year? And obviously the trade value, the longer you wait on a guy like Oliver Eckman or Larson, the, the, you know, the less leverage that you have. So it's kind of one of those things you, you, you maybe either trade him now uh, or you, you lock him up. That's a, that's a real big decision. I would personally love to see them lock him up uh, just because you, you lose a guy like Oliver eckman and you spend the next six or seven years trying to get a, a defenseman like Oliver Eckman-Lars.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. Hey, Tyson, thanks for the uh, talk on the Coyotes and sharing some stories from Japan. This interview airing uh, after supper time for at least most people in the Edmonton area, so hopefully uh, we got him through the intestine and in Prairie Oyster, Oyster Park. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right, <laughs> thank you. Right on, Tyson Nash checking in. Former NHLer uh, talking about his career in Japan. Odd the cuisine that's come up on Inside Sports tonight. We had Reed Feist talking about dog meat in Korea, and we got into being served uh, raw intestine in Japan there with Tyson Nash. On that note, I want to remind you that some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, where you will not be served raw meat. You will be served delicious fried chicken, Doritos, mac and cheese. And a whole bunch of other for wonderful treats. And and don't forget about Northern Chicken's Ultra Hot Sandwich Challenge. Can you take the heat for a free meal, t-shirt, and ice cream? Register by email at info at northernchicken.com or visit the website northchickenyeg.com. I would also recommend just going to their location, 124th Street, 107th Avenue. You will find something you'll enjoy. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We're coming right back.
2: This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers and you're listening to
1: Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630
0: Ched, Former Edmonton Eskimo, Randy Spencer. This happened this morning around 9.30 near Good Life Fitness on Calgary Trail. He uh, was robbed. He was at the gym. He was uh, helping some people out, and uh, another guy ran from the gym, stole Randy's wallet, car keys, and his two gray cup rings. Now, they got a photo of the guy. I'm uh, currently retweeting uh, uh, Allison Curry's post so you can see what this gentleman looked like. So hopefully they get him, and uh, Randy gets his stuff back, gray cup rings included. Randy's been on the show in the past. Uh, good guy. That's tough when something like that happens, so hopefully they're, they're able to re- recover his belongings. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chat. Always appreciate you tuning in. Adam Larson back with the Oilers. Of course, uh, his father recently passed away. He went to uh, Sweden to be with his family. He was back at practice today. Todd McClellan, just have to say, uh, wait and see how he feels when it comes to his return to the lineup. El Montoya took a puck up high today. Uh, he was down We'll know more in the morning about his condition, but we had Jack Michaels on uh, off the top of the show, and he said it doesn't look like Montoya will be able to play this weekend. The Oilers playing Arizona tomorrow and Colorado on Sunday, so something to keep an eye on there. The men's hockey team at the Olympics uh, playing well within half an hour here. They're going to be taking on the Czech Republic. Men's curling 10 o'clock game tonight against Sweden. Kevin Cooey's crew 4-0, and as are the Swedes, so that'll be a good game. St. Albert's Mark Kennedy, of course, the third on that rink. Women's curling Canada off to a shocking 0-3 start. Rachel Holman having a tough time as Skip. They're going to be playing the United States. That is uh, at 4 in the morning, 4 a.m. start for that game. Uh, I just I just want to mention this, uh, a team we don't talk about a lot, but we probably should uh, a little bit more because they're having an incredible season and a team I used to do the play-by-play for for a few seasons. The uh, U of A Golden Bears best basketball team. This is the basketball team. The hockey team's on a bye. The U of A Golden Bears basketball team, best team in the Canada West regular season, number one seed playoff game today against the UNBC Timberwolves, and the Bears rolling in that one, a 98-64 victory including outscoring the Timberwolves 26-15 in the first quarter and 31-13 to put it away in the fourth. Five Golden Bears hit double digits uh, so this is game one of a best of three. Game two tomorrow at the Savile Center at two. So that's a high quality team. Barnaby Craddock has been the coach there for a while. He's always had pretty good teams but uh, this might be uh, one of if not the best he's ever coached. So the Bears hoping to move on and, and I think they are a threat on the uh, on the national stage. So that's a team we'll keep Keep following here as we move along. The show tonight from the uh, Terwilliger Rec Center. Thanks to Steve Stardakty and everybody from the Stollery Family Day Classic for uh, accommodating us. Sean Alford doing a great job as our engineer with the with the setup. And again, the website famdayclassic.com. It goes on all weekend. There are games until 10 tonight. You can get the schedule on the website, and the uh, the finals will be on Monday. I'm right across from the silent auction table, and everything from that goes towards the stallery. I know Steve was on earlier describing the uh, the piece of equipment they're trying to help help with there, and uh, in the previous seven years of the tournament uh, they've raised over $2.2 million so it it is pretty cool so uh, they're helping out again this weekend famdayclassic.com if you want to find out more. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy our studio producer back at the 6.30 Chen Broadcasting Compound I will talk to you at 12.30 tomorrow afternoon that'll be the face-off show for the Oilers at Coyotes. The game will start at 2. One final check of the NHL scoreboard. The Flyers beat the Blue Jackets 2-1 in overtime Islanders are leading the Hurricanes 2 0 nothing with three minutes left after two the Jets now up four nothing on the avalanche and in the second period Dallas with a one nothing lead on St. Louis my name is Reed Wilkins thank you so much for tuning in tonight have a great weekend Friday. 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6:30 Chad.